Hello and welcome to this podcast, Yes, I Have a Voice. My name is Ruth Lewis-Cost and I'm a caregiver and I am blessed to be looking after my elderly parents. I started this podcast to remind ourselves that looking after those in need is a privilege. As unpaid caregivers, we need to have a voice. We need to be able to shout loud and be proud of our status. And caregiving has no age. People of all ages are caregivers. This is my way of supporting you all emotionally and practically with tools from other caregivers on how to find the joy in your situation and make amazing memories. So let's dive into this week's episode. So hello, everybody. And today I'm with Whitney Store, and she's in Washington State. And she is the mother to Maliki, who is four years old. And she's going to just start by telling us a really amazing, fantastic story. So Whitney, let's hear it. Yes. Um, so yes, I'm happy to be here today. Uh, my name is Whitney Store. I um, I live in Washington State in the U.S. Um, my son is, um, he is the most spectacular little guy. He just turned four years old um, in January. He is funny and hilarious and totally coming into his little um, boyhood. He is in everything and um, cruising around and doing all the fun things. He um he was born with several disabilities. I received an in utero diagnosis um, for him for that he would be born with spina bifida. Um, when I was about 20 weeks pregnant, it pretty much changed everything about the pregnancy. There was lots of planning and um, a lot of uh, making some medical decisions and trying to figure out how we would um, manage his care when he when he arrived. Um, spina bifida is, it's a, a neurological spinal birth defect. Um, it occurs very early on in the pregnancy um, when the, the spinal column um, fails to close like, like you typically um, would see. And so when a baby is born with, with the type of spina bifida that Malachi has, this part of the spine is actually open. Um, it's open to the air. And so, so what happens during that is that you, um, right after the baby's born, you have to, you have to go into surgery. They have to close up the spine. It's, it's a big repair. And then because of the development of the spine in that way, during pregnancy, the, the spinal column kind of gets tugged down a little bit and it creates a secondary diagnosis called Arnold Chiari malformation. And what it is, is it's part of the, the back of the, the brain essentially gets kind of tugged down into the top of the, the spinal cord and it creates a dam. Um, where fluid that's naturally in your your brain in your head just doesn't flow out, and so what you end up is, uh, with is a secondary, another secondary diagnosis called hydrocephalus, which most people would know as like water on the brain. And so it's a, a buildup of pressure, it's a buildup of fluid in the brain. It can absolutely be deadly, um, and so it requires, in a lot of cases, for a brain surgery to install a device called a shunt. Um, and so that shunts, it's a small little device that they go in there, they, they install directly into the brain, and then it has tubing that goes down the neck, down the chest, and usually ends in the abdomen, and it shunts the fluid from the brain. 
So in Malachi's first two days of life, he had a major spinal surgery um, that is absolutely life-saving for, for kids with spina bifida. Um, and then he had a brain surgery. During my pregnancy, we also discovered that he had congenital heart defect. He had two holes in his heart um, that we knew would require open heart surgery. Um, we were hoping that we would be able to push it off for a little while, but um, around two months old, he went into heart failure. And so he ended up having um, open heart surgery when he was about three months old. Um, after that, he had uh, challenges breathing. And so he ended up with a tracheostomy and a ventilator. Um, and then later on, he had, um, he started showing signs of epilepsy and he had a lot of feeding challenges. So he ended up with a feeding tube as well. Um, so it's a lot of care. He requires a lot of care. Um, 24 hour around the clock care. Um, somebody always has to be up with him day and night. Um, he is now, um, he's not on the ventilator, ventilator during the day. He still has the trach, um, but he's a wheelchair user. He can cruise around in his wheelchair. He is in preschool. He's doing all the fun things. Um, but we, me and his dad are full-time caregivers for him. That's such a, a magnificent story. I just I'm so intrigued to know how you approached all of this. You knew sort of early on he had spina bifida or was going to be born with spina bifida. But I don't suppose you imagined that all the other things that would come on, on the back of that. How did you get through all that? Day by day. <laughs> um, you know, you know, when you get that primary diagnosis, you know that there is a chance that there's going to be um, secondary diagnoses that could pop up. Um, in Malachi's case, he had uh, quite a few of those secondary diagnoses pop up in um, the very first part of his life. And so it felt like he spent about eight months in the hospital before we were discharged um, for the first time. And then he spent another five months in the next year. So we actually, we lived in a children's hospital for a little while. Um, I stayed bedside with him for, for months and months and months. And I think that you just kind of get in this groove when you're in the hospital for that long of just like, okay, tunnel vision, let's get this done. We're just going to, you know, put our nose to the grindstone and, and, and get through this. And then once you get out of the hospital, you know, everything's hectic and there's therapy sessions every day and there's tons of medical appointments and there's emergencies all the time. And I think that, you know, it, it's like shell shock to begin with. Like you just are like in panic and like there's absolutely a degree of like medically induced PTSD and, and just this chronic stress and, and chronic panic and anxiety. But, you know, I think eventually like you just get into the groove that this is our life. Um, this is just how odd our day is. And I mean, I, I, I don't know how like, much I like the term like new normal because especially now with the pandemic because it seems like everything is like oh this is our new normal but it really is and I don't really know how better to describe how you um how things kind of fall into place with caregiving once um everything sorts of set settles out is that it, it is your normal it's your daily life and you know you just get up like everyone else and you go about your day um, yeah, but it, I mean, some days are obviously harder than others. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's, it's a really good life. 
that's such a, a wonderful thing to hear. It really is. So before all this happened, you had a career, didn't you? And you presumably had to give that career up. Yeah, it required um, a significant shift um, for both me and um, his dad, my husband, Jason. Before Malachi came along, way back in the day, I went to law school. I was working in Washington, D.C., um, public policy mainly. Um, And then we moved back to my hometown um, in central Washington state in 2016. I was running a nonprofit organization um, that focused on um, economic development, business consulting, community engagement, that kind of stuff. It was very um, involved, a lot of uh, very odd hours, um, but I loved it. And then um, my husband was was doing was was working even longer hours in in also in a career that just was not conducive to the type of caregiving that we would need to to do for Malachi. And so um, when I got pregnant and we started learning of these diagnoses, it it became really clear that something in our life needed to happen. And luckily, because of I was running the nonprofit, I, I had a very um I could kind of be flexible. My board of directors was flexible. Like I never really had to even take a maternity leave. I actually just went virtual back in 2018 and was working while my son was in the hospital. So I was working bedside while he was in there, which was great because it gave my mind something else to think about besides just medical caregiving. But eventually we realized that we needed to move. We needed to move to be closer to the hot, to his hospital where we were living was about three hours away. Um, every time there was an emergency, they could not care for a uh, medically complex pediatric patient at the local hospital. So we ended up on flights back and forth across our state. Um, so we moved, we, we quit our jobs and we sold our home and we moved across the state. We lived in a little apartment for a year and then we found a home and we bought a new home and we found new jobs. <laughs> and so my career completely shifted. Um, my husband's completely shifted. He, my husband now actually, um, he uh, works for a company that manufactures wheelchair ramps and accessibility equipment. So he has also stepped into kind of this whole uh, medical caregiving type of industry. Um, and I, I know I know we've both kind of gone that way. Um, and I'm a parent to parent coordinator at um, my local chapter of the ARC, um, which is a nonprofit organization that um, supports uh, individuals and their families, um, people with uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities. So it's been it's been great. And now, like <laughs> the disability policy, the disability world is our family's life. That's just so amazing that you've <laughs> actually been really sort of innovative, I feel, in the way you've changed things and the fact, you know, things you had to do. I'm sure it was a discussion, but it doesn't sound like it was a particularly hard decision. It wasn't. You know, it's. I think it's one of those things where like you learn very quickly how adaptable you have to be. And, you know, it's hard. Some of the decisions are hard um, because it's not the life you had before. But, you know, when when Malachi kept getting flown back and forth across the state and eventually ended up back in the hospital, it came a day where I'm like, you know what, I'm not I'm not going back. I'm staying here. We're going to move here. We're living here. And it was just like once that decision was made, it's like, this is what we're doing now. Um, and I think, you know, it was the same with like my career um, transition. Like 
I was getting so involved in advocacy and in programs and I was volunteering a lot with these organizations that eventually when, when a job popped up, I'm like, it's time, I'm doing this. Um, and so a lot of it, I feel like we've kind of like fallen into and a lot of it, like it's been really intentional in a way that um, suits our needs as a family. So like now we both work from home, um, which has been fantastic for caregiving. So, yeah. That's brilliant. And alongside what you do, because you obviously you're with him uh, 24 hours, what kind of support do you get from elsewhere? Oh, I would love to say that we have tons and tons and tons of support. Um, right now we don't. Um, uh, trach ventilator kids, um, they need 24 hour care. They need somebody that has eyes on them um, all the time. Um, so with me and my husband right now, we do everything in shifts. Um, so we both work full time during the day. Um, we trade off caring for Malachi during that time. It's like whoever has a meeting, the other person is on Malachi duty and is working next to him while he's playing and doing his stuff. Um, and then we sleep in shifts. And so somebody is always awake with Malachi. So I usually take the earlier shift um, and I get him up in the middle of the night and he takes that second shift and then we start working again during the day. And so it's like everything is in shifts. Before, through our health insurance policy, Malachi does, um, he does qualify for uh, 20 hours a day of skilled nursing support in the home. But skilled nurses, especially home-based skilled nurses are limited. Um, there is not like a surplus of nurses just waiting to come into the home and support you. They're hard to find. And so like, there's that side of things. But then with the COVID-19 pandemic, it was also became something where Malachi is incredibly high risk. And as caregivers, we also need to stay healthy because if one of us um, comes down with COVID or if one of us, you know, horribly like dies from COVID, like there's no one else that can take care of him. And so we've completely locked down. Um, we suspended all of our nursing coverage. And um, we used to have, my mom used to be able to come in and provide support. She's our only other fully trained family member that can provide medical care for him. But my grandfather uh, this past fall um, uh, actually died from COVID. And so she's now a full-time caregiver for my grandmother who is recovering from um, chemo following a cancer diagnosis and just, um, you know, has some signs of dementia. And so my, my mom is, is, has stepped away from being able to support us as much to provide full-time support for my, my grandmother. And so um, it's really just me and my husband right now. That's really the only support we have is each other. <laughs> You know, one thing, I mean, the listeners here won't won't see what I'm seeing, but I can tell you that Whitney is sitting here. She has the brightest face I've seen, you know, I've really seen in such a long time. And she's always smiling. I'm sure there are times when you don't, but <laughs> the couple of times I've met you on Zoom, you've just been this kind of ray of sunshine and, and always upbeat and this beautiful sort of smiling confident face and I just think it's amazing that you know with all that's going on you still seem the energy that I can have I can feel from you is it's all positive 
and as you've said before, you kind of just accept it as this is your life and, and that's it. There's no question. Was that something you were like in the beginning or did you have to grow to that? You know, I think part of it is just like, I'm, I'm an adaptable person. Like I've always been kind of just like roll with the punches um, and, you know, make the best out of whatever situation you're in. Like, I, get, I think some of that's just like who I am. But I think a lot of it too is just like, I see so much joy around me and like, yeah, some days are really, really hard. And some days you just want to like curl up in a corner and cry. But, you know, I've also almost lost my kid (laughs) several times. You know, I've also been in situations where like, I'm like, oh my God, I hope this isn't it, you know? And, and then I see him grow and I, I see how happy he is. And I, I see him, you know, learning to sit up and, and learning to use his wheelchair and cruising around our house and laughing at his little, you know, Sesame Street programming on YouTube. And he's a happy kid. And, and you know, with everything he's gone through, you know, the, the seizures and the, the open heart surgery and brain surgeries and he's still cruising around being happy and I'm like you know caregiving it's hard and it's tiring it's exhausting but if he is that resilient like if he's that visible example of resiliency then I think that I just feel like I've got to step up and also be that that model of resiliency um, for him, you know, and I, I also think that like, I've gotten so involved in, in the disability sector. I've gotten so involved in supporting other families of kids with disabilities. And, you know, I think that too, like, I'm surrounded by this environment, by this culture that is built around those families who also just have that joy and that celebration like they celebrate every milestone their kid has and it's a party, you know, their kid learns to crawl for the first time and it's a party. And we have this great, um, pediatric medical, um, system around us that, that is also very celebratory, um, and has so much support within our region that it just creates this environment where, even if it's not physical support, you feel the emotional support and you feel the community behind you and, and you feel people cheering from you. And, and I think that the benefit of caregivers now to one benefit of caregivers now is that we have access to the online world. I can't even tell you what a, a safety net like Instagram has been for our family. Like I got an Instagram account, like when Malachi was tiny and we started posting and we started sharing and we started connecting with other families and they have been the biggest support system for us is other moms of kids with spina bifida, other, other parents of kids that have traits or have had heart surgeries or are going, you know, into special education in the school system. And you create this network for yourself. And I think, think that also just brings you a lot of joy. Having a community, having a network like that is on every level is so important. And I'm, I really love that you said that because I can imagine how supportive 
that would be that you can speak to other people who have been in the situation or, or might be going through a situation and you can all sort of, you know, self-help each other. And I love that. I really do. And I think it's so, so, so important. And what about your husband? How is he with all of this? Is he as sort of smiley and upbeat as you are? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I th- I. I think so. I mean, he's a, he's a fairly easygoing guy. He, I will say he's not quite as, um, he's a little slower on the changes. Like it takes him a little while to kind of like internalize, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to move now. We're going to change jobs now. I, he's one of the the type of people that just needs the process. Like he needs time to process and before making that change. Whereas I'm like, a, nope, it's time. We're going to do this. But I, once he has time to kind of like weigh the the costs and benefits and and realize that, you know, something is the best option, the best solution, um, he's fully 100% on board um, and committed to that, that change. And he is just, he's, he's really wonderful with, with Malachi and very supportive. And I, I, I think it's it's harder too, you know, for the for the dads to to connect and to kind of find that community. Um, but there's a our state has a really great network that is designed specifically to connect dads and father figures of kids with disabilities too. And so he's so also good. benefited from that. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Mm-hmm. That's so good to hear. So moving into the future can you see what might change the changes that might happen or are are you you did say earlier you just kind of like roll with the now sort of thing you know take each day as it comes so does that mean that you don't know what the future holds or do you have little plans for the future anyway just in case and we're always planning for the future. Um, we actually just recently got our whole estate in order um, just so that Malachi is uh, set up when, um, you know, when me and me and his dad are gone. And so, like, I mean, we're obviously thinking very long term, hopefully very long term into the future. I would like to say that, yeah, you know, we got the future all planned out. We're ready. We're rearing to go. But I think that what I've learned through all of this is that the future changes, like everything changes day by day. And you you know, you do the best you can for today. And then you see what tomorrow brings. And when tomorrow comes, you do the best you can then with what you have on the table. And I think that, you know, we've learned that like, yes, be, be prepared for the future, but don't necessarily make solid plans because most likely they're going to change anyways. We bought an RV recently, and so we do have short-term plans to travel a lot as a family. Um, we think a camper is, it's the easiest way to travel with all the medical supplies. And so that's been um, kind of our future thoughts is that a lot of travel, um, road trips as a family, we're going to see the country. That sounds so exciting. Well, yeah. I hope, I really hope the three of you get to do that quite soon. And you have so much fun doing it. Whitney, it's been an absolute delight talking to you. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for coming on to this podcast, being a guest. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, if you like this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. It really helps. See you next time.